Hello, and welcome to The Plants We Eat, that show where we talk about all those plants that uh, we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman, and I am here with... Cindy Proctor. All right. And we're, and we're dealing with a crop today that, um, well, actually, I got to be honest, isn't much of a crop. It's mostly gathered wild. We are dealing with the marshmallow. Not marshmallow. Marshmallow. But come on. That's <laughs> fun. Marshmallow isn't just some made-up word. It's it's pronounced differently, maybe changed in a few of the letters, but it's originally was actually a plant, like right, marshmallow. Exactly. Right. That's Two right. words. Right. Marsh. Mallow. Mallow. It's fun. I'm with you. Not a marshmallow. Right. Marsh. Marsh. Mallow. However, it has given, these are the roots, no pun intended, <laughs> of um, what we enjoy today on s'mores and cookouts and fudge and all kinds of recipes, the marshmallow. Should we start by talking a little bit about the plant then? Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, I'm from the Midwest, and uh, I know this plant isn't from the Midwest, but the genus, a good number of the oh. the, the, the genera yeah. are I didn't realize that. like crazy in the Midwest. Okay. And I'm fond of this plant because the diversity of it, you can find it in tropical situation, temperate situation, annual, you know, situations. And uh, it has very similar ID characteristics, which makes it fun. And I always make a big deal about it in class, you know, that you can go anywhere and you know that this is in this family, the Malvaceae family. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but and, and that's fun when you're, when you're teaching ID. And it, uh, it has beautiful flowers. And, mm-hmm. and if our listeners aren't familiar with it, you know, a lot of us know what hibiscus is, especially the tropical hibiscus, a very... A strong relative in the mm-hmm. same family, but uh, the family, the flowers are all derivatives of the tropical, just mm-hmm. to, if that's a good starting point there. But in this case, the roots of this particular species gave rise to what we all enjoy as the marshmallow. Which is very, very neat. It is so, neat. So this, so, so this, plant, this plant is from um, Europe and West Asia, uh, loves swampy areas. It is a, it's a plant that's usually uh, four to six feet tall. So this it actually started being used uh, way, way back uh, in Egyptian times. It was actually mixed with honey and nuts. And hopefully you're ask, asking why was it mixed with honey and nuts. Well, see, marshmallow doesn't actually offer a whole lot of flavor. It does offer a certain amount of sweetness, but the th- big thing that it offers is that... Um, it's the texture. Texture. From consistency. Right. From the roots. In, from the right, from the roots. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, in our modern marshmallows, what provides that consistency is, is uh, gelatin or something like gelatin. That's spongy. Right, the sponginess. Mm-hmm. So way back when, uh, Egyptian times and since... The marshmallow used to be able to offer that, so that's what you know how it's why why it was important. All of your Malvaceae, I shouldn't say all of your Malvaceae, all of the mallows. And again, the marshmallow is part of that big group of mallows or hibiscus. You can think of them kind of both ways. Um, that that whole group is actually very edible, and it tends to have a sap which is. Uh, mucilaginous. Isn't that a good word? Mucilaginous. Uh, and, and basically that means like mucus. Um, I, I knew you'd like that. Uh, now this mucilaginous sap, again, it can give you that firm texture when you cook something up, um, but it can also be useful for a wide variety of other things. In fact, 
It has a reputation for being very helpful uh, as a tea. You can make marshmallow tea, and this marshmallow tea will help to coat your throat and control coughing, help control sore throats. The mucilaginous uh, (laughs) sap or uh, extract from the roots can also be helpful uh, on wounds, controlling inflammation, and is antibacterial. This is actually one of those... Um, one of those plants that has a tremendous amount of potential for helping us medicinally, and there are plenty of papers that is scientific research showing its potential, and as far as I'm concerned, simply not enough work really teasing out exactly what it could do so that we can actually use it. Um, But it definitely has potential, uh, again, for wounds, uh, especially for coughs, uh, and potentially for some other things uh, as well. Now, as part of the hibiscus, uh, we may do hibiscus at a later date, but I do want to note that the hibiscus, by and large, are edible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but hibiscus tea, for mm-hmm. example. I'm uh, sure people right. have seen that on the shelves. You can go to any store and see that. Right. It's, it's great stuff, very tasty. It's made with the flowers, I should say, particular portions of the flowers. Mm-hmm. Usually a little bit of sugar is added, and it, it's great. And uh, again, this isn't exactly the same plant, but it's very closely related to that. With the marshmallow, they can be used as an herb. Um, they can be used to thicken soups. Uh, you can actually eat them raw in a salad. They work fine. I've seen them boiled um, and fried with onions. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That's an interesting take. I would, I would love to try I that, would too. Actually. I would like to try that myself. So the history of marshmallow is actually pretty interesting uh, when it comes right down to it. I mean, what, what kind of stuff did you find? So we learned that the marshmallow, uh, the mucilage, <laughs> is how <laughs> I say okay. is, uh, it comes from the roots. Right. And so the French pioneered the innovation of whipping up the marshmallow sap okay. um, and sweeten it to make a, a confection similar to what we know what the modern marshmallow is today. Right. Now, so they were actually whipping up the sap. Yes, and okay. it, but it was very labor-intensive. I mean, they, they sold it locally— in small um, shops, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was very expensive, very labor intensive. Right. Now, in the late 19th century, the French manufacturers thought of using egg whites or gelatin, like you said before, um, and combined with cornstarch to create that chewy base. And to avoid the labor intensive uh, process, but it did require industrial methods. Okay. So they had to they had to bring in things to actually do this. Right. So um, what, to, to make marshmallows in large quantities, they, uh, they, they, used, they started using confectioners of sugar, and they mixed it with water and corn syrup in these massive kettles, which are then heated to a certain temperature and cooked for a precise time. And then this mixture was pumped into another kettle to cool. They rehydrated the gelatin, or gelatin, and added and blended it. And once a mixture cooled enough, it, uh, it, not enough, though, to ruin the integrity of the gelatin. Mm-hmm. So to, to give the marshmallow its fluffiness, it's pumped through a blender while air is pumped into it. That's not what they do now. Though. I think so. Oh, no, I mean, that's what they do now. Yes. That's not what they did no, well, back well, when they were using the marshmallow. But this is how they went from using the roots and having that oh. labor-intensive process to making to what they are today. I, I see. Okay. So, so how they were, how they're created in the shape they are now is they were put in these tubular molds, mm-hmm. and I guess they're cut. 
right. you know, into those uh, into those uh, sections right. that we just have taken for granted that our marshmallows that we pop in our mouth, all different sizes and shapes. Wow, that is really interesting. Well, uh, part of things interesting to me is that it actually started with the sap. So, you know, I, I made the um, I made the marshmallows today, and that was made by beating egg whites and then adding uh, the marshmallow to. Mm -hmm. But actually, when they're originally made. There was no egg whites involved. No. It was just taking the sap and whipping the heck out of the sap. Right. And very labor intensive. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, yes. whipping egg whites was pretty labor intensive right. too. <laughs> now, oh, now, I left out a lot of steps here. Right, we right. all get the idea. Right. You know, but I think it's interesting. You know, in, when we study these foods, the, the, how they're sold, mm -hmm. like how the shape of a marshmallow. Like right. you think about how did they come up with that? Well, they were in these tubes. To, mm -hmm. to help enhance their form or create their form wow. and just cut up, you know, to make their shapes. So anyway, very interesting. That is fascinating. All right. So having said all this, before us, before all of us right now, I have, I have some marshmallows that I, that I made. Now, just to let you guys know, when, when I make something for the show, I want it to have as few ingredients as possible so that we can really showcase whatever the plant is that we're looking at. Well, these were made with only four ingredients. The first ingredient was uh, egg whites. Egg whites provided the, the structure. Mm -hmm. Then some brown sugar, a little bit of vanilla, and then the marshmallow. And the marshmallow is giving it kind of a, kind of a crispy texture. Now, how did you buy the marshmallow? Okay, so the marshmallow is actually from a farmer's market, and it was purchased um, by our assistant director, Amy Tipton. She knew I wanted to do a show on marshmallow. If you're wondering who suggested this show... Me, I was so anxious to do marshmallow. Um, so she saw this at a farmer's market, and she picked me up a little box. Now, did she? Is it? Oh, so it was already. Per, you just added what okay. you wanted to add with it. Right, exactly. Okay. I found an old-fashioned recipe online and added it. Um, just so you know, uh, when I say roots, they were already ground. Okay. So she she gave me the ground roots. Okay. All right. Shall we take a taste? Yeah. I like that. It's like um, egg whips. Mm-hmm. Like I like I whipped a bunch of uh, egg whites and well, put them on a frying or put them on a cooking sheet and yes. baked them in the oven. That's exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. You take the egg whites, you whip them up, and then what the um, it is kind of crunchy. What the marshmallow does is hold it mm -hmm. in that in that structure. It is not fluffy the way you'd think of a regular marshmallow. Instead, it's kind of crunchy. That's probably partially because I cooked them a little bit longer than perhaps I should have based on the old recipe. Mm -hmm. I think if I hadn't cooked them quite as long, they'd at least have a little bit of that sponginess. They're good. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? They're really good. Um, they're, they're pretty toasty flavor. That might be because of how they were cooked, but, <laughs> but they're good and crunchy. Tastes delicious. So what's the benefit of having these as opposed to marshmallows nutritionally? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Well, first of all, there's just uh, very few ingredients. Nothing yeah. processed about no, it. No, nothing processed. Um, but I couldn't, I, you can't make s'mores out of it. It's, it's a no, it would You're not. making a, a cookie. Yes. yes. This is definitely it a cookie. It had, what, three ingredients? Yeah. What, yes. four? Four. Four. Egg whites, brown sugar, vanilla, and, uh, and marshmallow. I got to say, though, if you can find marshmallow root, worth trying? I agree. Yeah. And I'm going to try it. It's, it's simple. If you want some, I've, I've got some extra. And, um, you know, actually the next thing that I really want to try is um, I'm, I'm going to try some of that marshmallow root in a tea the next time that I have a cough. I'm really curious to see if that will actually help. And uh, in terms of 
any of the plants. You don't necessarily have to grow this one, but any of the plants in the Malvaceae uh, family are worth growing. Yes. For one reason or another, mostly the flowers. Mostly because they're gorgeous. Yes, and the full sun, mm-hmm. you know, no, nothing uh, crazy. As a, as a family, the Malvaceae in general, again, mm-hmm. the hibiscus in general, Yeah. all full sun? Yeah, all okay. full sun. Some of them need more water than others, hence mm-hmm. marsh, marsh, mallow. Right, mallow. <laughs> Some need well-drained soil, but that information is readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their flowers are unique, very similar to the hibiscus that mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned. Um, but yeah, it, it, look at look at the, your local growing areas. Any mm-hmm. even if you're in tropical areas, temperate areas, there's one for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks uh, for choosing it. That was fun. Wasn't that a fun that one? That was fun. You know, we talked about how the marshmallows are made here don't need any, uh, or I didn't make them with any preservative. You know, I was spending some time looking at preservatives this week because they actually fascinate me. Uh, canning, pickling, salting. We can, but before we do, I ran into this one patent that was so much fun that I've got to share with you. Okay. So I found this patent from Lyman H. Swan. Um, his uh, his patent was granted in 1900. And it was called Sulfur Candle. And it's about a sulfur candle for preserving food. What you did was you took your fruits and vegetables and you put them into a can filled with water. Then you burnt this candle in a room, and this candle would actually make hydrogen sulfide, which is the stuff that smells to, I mean, just very, right. very badly. And that would leave a film on top of the water, and that film would actually protect everything inside the can from rotting. Interesting. Isn't it? Can you imagine how that would smell, though? N- no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you're preserving your vegetables. I, I'm, I, it, was just, it was just fascinating to me. <laughs> There's going to be folks in our future that are going to be fascinated by how we did things, too. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I believe you're right. <laughs> oh, my. Hey, this has been The Plants We Eat, a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens. College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, and the Isle Group. If you would like to reach us, if you've got a great suggestion for our next show, please let us know. We can be reached at tpwepodcast at unc.edu. That's t-p-w-e-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at unc.edu. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Have a great week. <laughs>